record this time. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hello, Jib. <laughs> Uh, this bi-weekly podcast is about the many and varied schemes of the many and varied U.S. law enforcement and intelligence agencies, organizations, and committees, and how they are stupid and funny. Join us on our merry journey through space and time. Hi, my name is Barry, and I was married to a Filipina for most of George W. Bush's term of office. True story. Well done. Well done. Mm. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Seamus. Uh, you may know me uh, for some of my guitar work uh, without knowing it was me. Um, so I... The, probably the most uh, recognizable, though, is a, is a solo that I did as a guest musician on a song called You Show Me What Love Is and I Regret It by the Scabies. By the Scabies? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a slow burn one. I like that. <laughs> okay. And you did, you did the, you also did the uh, music for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. But the best one, of course, is You Show Me What Love Is. <laughs> <laughs> and I regret it. We're not here yeah. to discuss scabies. We're here to discuss the Philippines. The oh, yeah, island cluster to the south of Japan. Where, where right? you, could, you could visit and not get the scabies. Uh, you can visit there, yeah, if you want. And I'm sure you can get all sorts of things. If you despite, want what, despite what Cheap Trick, or was it ELO? Who was it? ELO or Cheap Trick that had that song? I don't know what Cheap no? Trick is hanging out down the street. <laughs> right? We're here about the Philippines in World War II. Now, this, I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance. This is a long one, right? Mm -hmm. And I've tried to summarize the backstory as much as possible. So I'm zipping over huge tracts of it. I'm going to do my best, right? But you know what I'm like? I can't. And my sources basically, oh, that, you'll see, I'll, I'll quote my sources, but Wikipedia plus everything I mentioned in here, right? Barry's going to do a Seamus. It's going to be long. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Well, we can edit it in post, right? We can take out all the unnecessary Right, bits. right, right, right. Um, the Philippines in World War II, right? The Philippines were first colonized by Spain in 1565 with an eye for the massive potential of cash crops like rice and sugar and tobacco. And that's pretty much the way it is now in the Philippines and other countries on those latitudes. They were named after Philip II of Spain. 430 years later, in 1896, the Philippine Revolution began. Two years after that, uh, the Spanish-American War would cause the Americans to encourage and support the Philippines in their own fight against Spain. By the time the American troops actually made it over there to the Philippines, the Filipinos had taken the entire country except for the little bit around Manila. The Americans took Manila in 1898 and then refused to allow the Filipinos in. The Americans That's classy. The Filipinos in. That's a strange thing to do when you're claiming to be a part of their liberation efforts from Spain, right? Now, there is evidence to suggest the whole battle was staged. In other words, the Spanish and the Americans pretended to, fight, pretended to fight over the Philippines, when in reality, the Spanish were handing the Philippines over to the Americans. Now, the main plank of this theory is that the sale of the Philippines from Spain to America for $20 million is a part of the Treaty of Paris, which negotiated the end of the Spanish-American War. Don't worry, this is mm. fine. This is just keep up. Yeah. It'll be fine. Another indication is that the Filipino representative was not allowed to attend the meetings in Paris. The Filipinos what? sent a representative we don't, we to don't Paris. Need them. We don't, we don't need him here. Again, we see American and some other colonial power having high-level meetings about what to do with the country without consulting any of the people living there, or even in this case, specifically excluding them. Um, something like that happened. Um, well, I mentioned another example of that in another podcast we did yep. before about when the headline I got was uh, Israeli guy goes to Washington, high-level talks about Palestine, right? So the Israelis and the yep. Americans are having high-level discussions about Palestine. Palestinians not invited. Right. So the same thing has been happening for years that high level talks about what to do with the Philippines. We'll sell them to you for 20 million dollars. The Filipino representative sent there to maybe even just be in the room was excluded. 
which implies the whole thing was a done deal behind his back, but it doesn't prove it, but it does imply it. Um, the first Absolutely. Philippine Republic was declared in 1899. Now, the 1899 Battle of Manila, which is different from the Battle of Manila the previous year where the Americans and Spanish had a fight. This is a right. different one. The following year was between the Americans and the Filipinos. And it kicked off the Philippine-American War, right? The Americans won in 1902. Believe me when I tell you I'm skipping past huge chunks of information here. The Americans won in 1902 and ran the country until 1946. The Filipinos, it has to be said, did not do too badly under the Americans. And over the decades, many, but not all, Filipinos came to regard their occupiers as at least benign. I'm not going to lie. So a lot of Filipinos do quite well under American power, right? There's no point in lying about it. Uh, Ten hours after the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941, Japan bombed a U.S. Air Force base on the Philippines. By 1942, it was clear that the Japanese would occupy the islands, and Franklin Roosevelt ordered Douglas MacArthur, his top military guy over there, out. This is when MacArthur said, I shall return, and return he would. He's famous for saying, I'll be back, you know. Yep. Um, there's a statue of uh, Douglas MacArthur, a big gold statue on the beach in the Philippines. Now, the Japanese took over and immediately set about reorganizing the government and civil administration of the Philippines, which more details, but basically it was not good. They called it, the Japanese called it the Second Philippine Republic, but everything was controlled by Japan. There were incidents of sexual slavery, uh, which the Japanese called comfort women. They did the same oh, thing Jesus. in Korea. And there was incidents of uh, human experimentation by Japanese doctors. These experiments, the first thing I thought of was, it was Unit 731, right? But these experiments were nothing to do with 731. Unit 731, do not Google if you're squeamish, uh, but they were still pretty bad. Unit 731 yeah. was the human experimentation unit of the uh, Japan Health Department, right? There was a lot of local resistance to Japanese occupation, occasionally helped by whatever Americans were left in the Philippines. Now, one main group was a communist guerrilla militia called Hokbo Nang Bayan Laban Sahapon or the Hukbalahap, or just the Hooks. Hukbo Nang Bayan Laban Sahapon means um, the People's Army Against Japan, right? Which has Sa. Sa is that wonderful Tagalog uh, preposition that means anything you want. Below, behind, up, between, against, for, with, whatever. Sa, Sa, Sa. Fantastic. So um, this is why you do these episodes. <laughs> why do these episodes? Just to teach you different words in different languages. Yeah, because yeah, I uh, butcher all that. <laughs> sa, sa Japon. Yeah. yeah, in Japan, behind Japan, against Japan. Yeah, mm. Loban would be Japan. Never mind. Uh, General Douglas MacArthur came back in. Sorry, Komostana uh, to all my Filipino friends. Uh, General Douglas MacArthur came back in 1944, and by 1945, the Philippines was under American control again, or as the Americans would call it, free. Um, they were technically free, you know, right? They That's were technically funny. free, well, uh, but the Americans provided security personnel, and also the Filipino economy was dependent on American markets, and also the Americans controlled the exchange rate, okay? So there's the mm. beautiful little they, they, their, their armed services were pretty much run by the Americans, and the Americans were their really their only market, and also they controlled the exchange rate. So you put all that together. Well, the Filipinos were delighted. It's, it's kind of like they're living in a company town owned by America. Yes. You know what I mean? That's very close to it, yeah. Um, but the Filipinos, I mean, most of the Filipinos were uh, delighted to see the Americans coming. And that's fair as well, because under Japanese, they did, uh, when you see the, if the Japanese are doing Japanese stuff to you and you see the Americans coming, you don't give a fuck about the exchange rate, okay? <laughs> You're like, yes. yes, please. Thank you, Douglas MacArthur. We Especially under, you, that, right? under that regime, right? Under the yes. Soho and all that nonsense. So again, there's no point in lying about it. The Americans did deal with their Japanese issue, which was a lot worse than whatever the Americans were doing, right? More or less on a kind of a broad level. Again, no point in lying about it, right? Um, so the Filipinos were delighted to see the Americans coming, at least most of them. 
Now, the Hawks were very much against colonial rule by anyone, whether it was Japan or America. Being communists, they'd be against anybody. They wouldn't care who was coming in. They'd want them all gone. Um, despite fighting with the Hawks during Japanese occupation, American soldiers with some Filipino officers disarmed and disbanded some Hawks squadrons and charged many individual Hawks with treason and seditions and for being communists. Harassment and abuse against peasant activists, Hawks would have been peasant activists, became common as the U.S. Army and the Philippine Constabulary hunted them. Civilian casualties were substantial, and the Hawks decided to retreat into the mountains and adopt a guerrilla lifestyle, right? In February 1945, more than 100 Hawks in Squadron 77 were massacred, and this was seen as a turning point, a major act of hostility against the Hawks. 20 prominent leaders were also arrested, including uh, Luis uh, Taruk, the Hawk commander. I think we have a photo of Luis there. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's okay, man. I know, you want me to... I, I'm just so used to... That's fine. Know. That's him. That's Luis Turok, right? Yeah. Um, here's a handy hint. If somebody looks Asian and they have a Spanish name, they're probably Filipino. <laughs> yeah. This guy's called Luis Turok. Uh, he's the, he was the commander of the Hooks. Um, right. Later that year, Turok and other Hook leaders were freed from prison. Turok formally announced the end of the resistance movement. Turok protested to Douglas MacArthur to stop the maltreatment of the Hooks. Although the top-level leaders were constantly negotiating, the Hooks and the U.S. and the Philippine forces, which were, like, honestly, basically just an extension of the U.S. Army, were heading for a full-scale rebellion. In the words of Turok, the truce is, in effect, only at the top level, between the government representatives and the peasant leaders, meaning himself. On the level of the field, there was open conflict, right? So it didn't really matter what he did, even though he was the leader of the movement, because on the ground level, they still were still being oppressed, so it doesn't really matter. Um, the source of the conflict... Well, one of the many, okay? There's always many, but this is me This is me cutting this down to the bone, <laughs> right? As short as possible. The source of the conflict was that landowners were collaborators with the Japanese and now supported the Americans, whereas tenant farmers were getting screwed, right? This is a story that's familiar across many countries. Um, also, these tenant farmers were being forced to grow cash crops, which reduced the amount of food available for themselves. Now, this is something that resonates, that should resonate with Irish people or anybody who's familiar with Irish history. We had a great famine in 1846, 7, 8, uh, when our potato crop failed, not because of the, of the lack of food. It was because we were forced to grow cash crops and every, we were exporting food. Tons, hundreds of tons of food was being exported from my country while we were starving from a famine. So there wasn't a lack of food, but this is what's happening to the hooks here. I'm not going to start shitting on England. We can do that and, in a different and, podcast, right? And yes. the, the, this stuff still happens right i mean it's, oh absolutely it happens in in uh, latin america all over the place yeah. down there being i mean forced, little little yeah. ass tenant farmers being forced to grow mm -hmm. cash crops and they're being it just limits their options completely and and even if they i mean and even though they're growing cash crops they're still not in control of it the americans are in control of yep. it you know it wouldn't even be so bad if they were getting some something far that's the, the communists want everything to belong to everybody so, of course, so, the landowners don't want that. The first thing they would do is nationalize all the property, right? They would take property and nationalize everything. So if you own land and you're making any rental income whatsoever, you would be very against that. So I drink a lot of coffee, probably too much coffee. And my favorite coffee to drink is Colombian coffee. And somebody okay. pointed out to me that there's generations of people in Colombia who actually worked in the farms for that who have never tasted a fucking cup of Colombian coffee because they, they export it all. Hmm. Cash crops, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's fucking gross. And I, of this, course, it was I'm the same in Ireland. There was Irish yep. people who'd never tasted the things they were growing. So I must I mean, say that I, I enjoy three to four cups of very guilt. Guilty <laughs> coffee. Guilt, 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 guilty there's coffee. No way, there's no do? way to live in a capitalist culture and not be guilty. 
Don't worry about it. There is no way for you to live in a capitalist culture and not be guilty. None of yeah, it it's, like, it's like Amazon. You can't boycott. It's mm. not going to make a difference. This t-shirt was probably made in China. I don't know. None yeah. of us are innocent. Stop yep. pretending like you can live a life that is free of guilt in a capitalist economy. It cannot yep. be done. Somebody is getting fucked and you are benefiting from it. You just have to, you just have to accept that and do whatever you want to do with that information. Right? So don't worry about cool. it. Drink your coffee. Uh, Cool. Now I got my mantra. So, you know, right. You know, I have what? Yeah. I got a new mantra. They're all getting fucked and I'm enjoying it. They're all getting fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm watching from the corner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but like, like I'm in Ireland, so I'm one of the countries that benefits from third world countries getting fucked. Sure. Don't, always start with honesty. Start with the facts and then worry about how you feel about it. You can't sort of start with saying, oh, I don't do this or I always recycle. That's good. That's all great. But Somebody somewhere is getting fucked and screwed, and you are benefiting from it. That's Absolutely. just the truth. Live with it, accept it, and now decide what you're going to do with that information. Maybe nothing. Fine. Anyway, um, yeah, these farmers are being forced to grow cash crops. Um, also, the Bell Trade Act uh, pretty much let the Americans do what they mm -hmm. wanted with the Filipino economy. It was, a, it was an act of law that the Americans were in control. So the Hooks decided to get political and joined forces with the Communist Party, which eventually turned into the Democratic Alliance, the DA. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 da, da, da. In the 1946 elections, all six DA candidates, including um, uh, Taruk, this guy, won their seats, but they were barred from taking their positions in government. They were prevented. Uh, now, this is interesting because people, when they hear about terrorists, sometimes they say things like, well, why didn't they go through the proper channels? You know, And the answer is, generally, any group of terrorists uh, who, are, who are fighting for the freedom of a country will already have gone through the proper channels. Yep. And if you say something like, why didn't they go through the proper channels? All you're doing is advertising how little you know about it. In Northern it Ireland, you, the I was Catholics say exactly went to the that. EU, and there's nothing yep. they could do. The Catholics went to the UN, where they found out that the United Kingdom has a veto over any Security Council resolutions. There's nothing anybody could do. So what are you going to do? Start shooting people, man. Last. That's the last choice. Anyway. Yeah, because they wouldn't um, recognize Sinn Féin forever, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, the U.S.-supported Filipino government then set up hunter-killer counter-guerrilla special unit called Nenita. Their stated mission was to eliminate. Their stated mission, by the way, they didn't even try and hide it, was to eliminate the hooks. And they were based. These guys were basically terrorists. Yeah. Right. Everything you'd expect. As you might predict, all they achieved was a sudden uptick in popular support for the hooks. Right. Which is what you'd expect if you were anyway smart. Like again, from Irish history. Our real independence movement only kicked off in 1916 when the uh, British government shot some um, insurrectionists, some rebellion leaders. Before that, people, the, the decision makers in Dublin didn't really care that much. But when they saw people getting shot dead by the British instead of just being sent home, that's when people said, now hang on, now we have a freedom movement, right? So these yep. things, the same thing happened in the Philippines. In 1950, the U.S. got more involved in suppressing the communist movement. They directly uh, provided the Philippine government with military aid, and certain arrest protocols were suspended, the main one being a thing called habeas corpus. Habeas corpus is a, a, a standard thing in most legal jurisdictions that are democratic. What it means is if you're going to put somebody in jail, you have to be able to explain to a judge why you have done this, right? That's habeas corpus. And it seems like a fairly basic thing. But again, in Northern Ireland, they suspended habeas corpus. And you could just arrest people and put them in jail without having to explain to anybody. And when you do that, it's called internment. So they basically in introduced internment, arrest without trial. You don't have to explain to anything. Habeas corpus is a very important part of law. And 
under the under this U.S. thing, they um they suspended certain arrest protocols. At this I'm time, glad this, this is the only time that we did this, and we got we stopped doing this kind of stuff. The arrest protocols, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that there is no sort of detention center where people <laughs> are being accused of terroristic yeah. acts. That would never being happen. Held really. without tra trial, you know, yeah. place being renditioned in foreign airports. Yeah. Uh -huh, yeah well, yeah. I mean. To be honest, oh, the whole Philippines, what happened in the Philippines was not nearly the worst thing you're going to hear on this podcast that the Americans got up to. It's bad, but it's not the yep. worst stuff. Yeah. Um, at this time, the CIA was covertly sponsoring the security training center on the outskirts of Manila as a counter-subversion, counter-guerrilla, and psychological warfare school. The CIA was worried that they were losing control of the rural areas of the Hooks, which they were. And they I mean, launched it's a, a school. It's a school. It's a school. Oh, by the way, <laughs> it's not the only school they set up. They set up, you know, the famous school they set up in Panama called the School of the Americas. Uh, good, We're going to talk ahead. about that. Yeah, We're going to yeah. talk about that oh, when okay. I talk about other things. Operation Condor, the School of the Americas. They set up right, these schools right, about how yeah. to, yeah, counterinsurgency, counter subversion. It's all basically yeah. CIA bullshit, right? And yeah. um, they launched a full-scale anti-communist campaign. Propaganda was produced about how awful life would be under communism. Now, this is something we spoke about in our Cuba episode. People were full of things saying, life will be terrible, your children will be sent away, you won't be able to live properly, blah, 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 right? Life under Could communist rule. Could you imagine living, living, living in a place where they just hit you every day with telling you about how bad communism is and how horrible it would be? That, and still I the Communist Party wins all their seats. Yeah. I just can't imagine. Know, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, you can imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen, Stephen J. Morris. Now, I... I'm not going to read this bit before I explain why I wrote it in. When you hear communist, there's mm -hmm. a certain strand that might automatically think Russia. So when you think these communist movements in Latin America and in Southeast Asia and so on will in some way be connected with Russia, the Russian communist movement or Chinese communists. But as we saw in Guatemala, the Guatemalan communist movement had no connection at all with Soviet Russia. Right. And it's the same as the true with the Hooks. They were communists, not going to lie. They were definitely communists, but they had no connection with Soviet Russia. Um, so communist just means somebody who wants to nationalize all the resources and the workers should control the means of production right so whatever profits you get from doing stuff in your factory should go to the workers and not the guy who owns the factory that's basically right. communism um and also nationalization of all the assets so nobody has any private property everybody owns everything right uh, stephen j morris a harvard university historian who did a study called the soviet union and the philippine communist movement so he'd know right said there is no evidence that the Soviet Union ever provided weapons to the communist-led Hook insurgents, right? Mm. Um, the U.S. also funneled grant money through USAID and the Ford Foundation. And, <laughs> well, real quickly, there is no evidence. There is no evidence that the, anybody at the Ford Foundation knew what was happening. Have to be. Have to tell oh, the that's, truth. That's that's hard to believe. We have to tell the truth. Yeah, I'm not saying they didn't. I'm saying we. I I can't say they did. Well, right? Henry Henry had been dead by now. Uh, Henry would have approved, but that's not yeah. the issue. The issue is whether or not they knew, and there's no evidence that they knew. Henry so would have approved. Though. All we know is that they funneled grant money through USAID yeah. and the Ford Foundation. Constant stream of financial backing rewarded the Filipino elite for promoting American interests. The Philippine government's plan was for the American money to support projects such as feeder roads, pure water, irrigation, etc. Now, the idea being that creating a better standard of living for the rural poor would do away with the market for communism and the hooks. Now they have almost cracked the code there. They're giving people better living conditions <laughs> to yep. remove the market for communism. So if I can just so close to what actually yeah. would have sorted out this whole problem 10 years before this bit of the story. Anyway, however, this, however, this particular approach, taking American money to do it, 
uh, created even more economic dependence on American funds, which again is less what the hawks what the hawks don't want. They want to be independent. So if they're basically if their country is going to be a shit heap, they want it to be their shit heap where they control the assets and they keep the money from all the coffee and all the sugar they're selling, right? Yep. That's fine. That's good. That's what you should want from a country, right? That's the, all the Irish revolutionaries wanted the same thing. Like Ireland at the time was not a great country, right? In the 1940s, the 1930s, it was a terrible country, very poor. But they said, at least it's our fucking poverty, right? It's ours. We own it. Fair enough, right? Uh, various, sorry, I get worked up, but there's so many parallels between the Philippines here and the Irish situation. Various military and police operations aimed at the hooks were eventually successful, and by 1955, they were more or less wiped out as a security threat. Many Filipinos were, by this stage, more or less Americanized, and were fine with that. And also by this stage, the Laurel-Langley Agreement, which superseded the Bell Trade Act, between the Filipinos and the Americans reduced the dependency of the Filipino economy on the U.S. economy, brought down tariffs. The United States could no longer control the um, exchange rate between the Filipino pesos and the U.S. money. It's possible this gradual move towards Filipino independence did more to eliminate the hooks than all the military or intelligence operations, because that's all they wanted. So, well, then there you go, success. Hmm. Like right? when the when the um, when the English government and the Irish government agreed on a system of joint rule in Northern Ireland and allowed the Catholics and the nationalists to have equal say in the decisions that affected them, the IRA disappeared. Yep. Anyway, um, and that, my friends, that's you people. That, my friends, was all background for the story we're here for. That whole thing is all background <laughs> for the story we're here for. Operation Vampire. Disclaimer, I made up that name. The CIA came up with Paperclip from our previous episodes. The CIA yep. came up with Paperclip and PB Success and Cyclone and Passage to Freedom. Right? That's all CIA proper language. A bunch of people involved in the cat project called it Acoustic Kitty, if you remember that episode. So the CIA did not come up with that one. And I just made up Operation Vampire. Right? It's called Clickbait. So I need you to just get over that. Okay. I called it Operation Vampire because I want you to listen to this. Um, but what do you think the CIA would have called this operation? And when I read out this operation and what they did, tell me in the little chat box, this is this is called um, interaction, right? So You're breaking the little, fourth wall. I'm breaking the fourth wall. Ah, you guys. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to know what you think the CIA would have called it. This is a genuine question. I'm sure you'll come up with some fantastic and well, not John Hudson, but everybody else will come up with fantastic <laughs> answers, right? For this. Love okay. you, John. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, John, too, yes. Okay, anyway, I lied about the whole thing. There is, in fact, some more background. We'll get through it, don't worry. I believe in us. I believe in us. Okay, we'll get through this to the vampire bit. Now, like any culture with animist roots, animist is a kind of religion where you think everything has mm -hmm. spirits, trees, rocks, the sun, everything has spirits. Any culture with animist roots, which is most of us, the Philippines has some very interesting folklore monsters, most of which predate even the Spanish occupation, so it goes back centuries. I think it might be time for another Jib Top 10. Here are the top 10 supernatural creatures of the Philippines. At number 10, Encanto, an elf-like creature that looks human but is just a little bit off. Ah, uh, which is the worst kind of thing because your brain does a little switch and it's like, you know. Uh, at number nine, we have Magindara, a sort of vicious mermaid thing. And I think any country that has a lot of water around it will have some sort of mermaid creature in their folklore. In Ireland, we have a thing called a selkie, which is a yep, similar I, sort of a mermaid thing. I still have a bottle of whiskey with that name back here. Selkie. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's what it is, like a mermaid thing. Yep. Um, at number eight, we have Mananangal. No. Mananangal. What? There you go. Pronounce it properly, wow. right? Manana Mananangal, which is a demon that... <laughs> this is what it is. <laughs> it's a demon that detaches its top half 
sprouts wings and flies around killing people. Like uh, the okay. Enterprise in Next Generation, you know, the nice. detach the saucer section. And Manangal is that. I, I, I believe um, this is the inspiration. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Filipino yeah. folklore. At number yeah. seven, we have Diwata, a benign guardian spirit. Um, at number six, we have Capre, a tall, dark, hairy, muscular tree giant. They're generally harmless unless you cut down their tree. And let's be honest, that's kind of fair enough. Sounds like it. something from Lord of the Rings. It does. Like the, it the does, and that's kind nest. of okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. At number five, we have Nunu Sapunzo, a creature that sa again. You see that sa. Nunu Sapunzo, sa our magical preposition. Nunu Sapunzo, a creature that haunts anthills, yes, uh, and might cause you to vomit blood. Also, oh. yes. Um, oh, that's that's rough. Yes. Um, four Tikpalang, which is a creature that looks like a horse but definitely isn't. Uh, the female Tikbalang is called Angitai. Angitai. Right, so you remember that in wow. the quiz later. Uh, at number three is Mambabarang. Sorry, my Tagalog is terrible. But he both. Okay. Ang uh, yeah. Akin Tagalog. Um, I don't know. Can't say the rest of it. I'm doing my best. Okay. But if you don't, if, 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 if any of this doesn't work for you, just remember Naglogoko Lang Ako. Okay. Mababarang, um, a witch who uses insects to do her business. Insects. What do you mean by business? Or witchy stuff, to do her spells and conduct oh, her affairs and so on, Because right? when I say I'm going to go do my business, that's... Ah, no, no, no. The, 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 she doesn't use insects to do her poo. Okay, all right. That would be... Okay. That would not be Mababarang. Mababarang okay. is just witchy business, right? Gotcha. At number two, we have Ambongisngis, a one-eyed giant with tusks who is always laughing. What? Oh, so He's this is like laughing. a, so this is like the the person the, a stand up would hire to be like a plant at a comedy show. Yeah, he's like setting the mood. Yeah. So I'm glad he's laughing. Oh. You know, I guess. And the number one is uh, Sarangai, a half man, half bull creature with jewels in his ears who gets annoyed if you try to take the jewels. And again, well, like your tree spirit guy, fair enough, right? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, try no, to take the the chains off of Mr. T. What are you gonna get? You mess with the Saturn guy, you get the horns, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, the bonus, we also have a bonus was it, round. Was it horns or right? horn? Oh, no. Uh, he's got half bull. He's got horns. Okay. Sorry. I thought, uh, uh, we got a person with one eye, not one with horn. Sorry. Yeah, the bung, the bungies, bungies and geese uh, is eye. a one-eyed giant with tusks. Yeah. One-eyed guy who laughs. Okay. Who got laughs, it. yes. Got it. Funny guy, yeah. yeah. These are not anime creations. These are all from Philippine folklore. Um, now Although the, the Philippine does, Filipinos do have some good anime. I have never seen any Filipino yeah, anime. Transor Z, is that what it is? Transor Z, yeah. Which, uh, no, Transor Z was the American version of Mangala, I think that's what it's called. It's okay. like the Shogun Warrior shit. Okay. I don't know. Like they're, uh, they're like robotic uh, giant robots that it's Filipino. control. Yeah. Fantastic. It really is fucking cool. awesome. Yeah, manga, cool. manga is something. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. Please this. do, yeah. 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 Um, now, after we do these top tens, we always have a bonus round. Bonus! Bonus! Bonus round! Spinal fatality. Okay, the bonus round this time is what we came here for. The Aswang, right? This podcast The who? The what? The Aswang. This podcast is eventually, ostensibly, about the Aswang. Uh, a creature that feeds on human blood in the night and changes into an obvious animal disguise during the day. You said wang. 
I did say, well, I also said ass, so <laughs> ass wang. Uh, the vampire form lurks on rooftops at night. Now, that's a oh. genuine photograph somebody took of an ass wang. Yeah. Someone Detail took a photo, a real life yeah. photograph, and they sent it into asswang.com. Um, the vampire form lurks on rooftops at night and can lower its long tongue through a lick hole in the ceiling. Lick hole is the quote that I took from somebody who was talking <laughs> about us. What the hell is a lick hole? What's a lick hole? I think the fewer questions we ask about it, the better we'll feel. I mean, I that, that's tongue, the, like the kind of thing that you stick give. your tongue through. Yeah, that is, that's the kind of thing that you give somebody a few bucks at the bar for, you know, when you go to the bathroom. Is that what it is? So we're talking I about? Not, I, would, I would not. You know, uh, I, I mean, thing. not, not me personally, thing. not me thing. personally, but I'm would talking you about a few bucks. No, no, no. I would no. stay away from it as much as possible. Um, but you talk about yeah. the lick hole. I'm not talking about the yes. wang, dude. I'm talking about the lick hole. It, it took like, its, it's tongue down through the lick hole. But the lick, I'm, I'm stuck on the lick hole. Is it the lick yeah, hole? Yeah, no, I was also stuck on the lick hole when I wrote yeah. it, but I said, no, this is the kind of podcast we are. This is the level. I did not write that. That is a quote from somebody else, okay? That's my only defense. But I want to Otherwise, know what it is now. Well, the asswang is believed to target particularly vulnerable people like pregnant women and children, either by sucking out their insides with its prehensile tongue or infecting them with a deadly disease. So I guess if there's a hole in the roof, then it has this huge tongue that goes and it just sucks out their insides, I guess, is it? Oh, you're, you're, still, on, you're still on paying it two bucks, are you? Yeah, but... Okay. You know, the, the ass wine could come from through the same hole. I mean, it sounds like the same. That is true. So, yeah. Because when I hear ass wine, I'm through the lick hole. I'm thinking it's the same thing. Ass wine through the lick hole is exactly what's <laughs> happening here. There's no, yes. there's no way to, there's no yeah. way to sugarcoat this. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, uh, there are men going. No, I, I'm just, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'll, 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 I'll try not to, yeah, I'll try yeah. not to derail it this anymore but uh yeah, it's, that's you know you should feel stop. free to 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 uh do all your lick hole material okay don't worry about it that's this is the level we are we're not like right, wikipedia right. we don't have any notability standards just say whatever you like all right okay. um there are many right. in the philippines who believe in these creatures even now and this is not to cast filipinos as overly superstitious or anything because uh for example i was trying to think of different examples uh many icelandic people believe in their elves like they really believe in the elves and there are some Irish people who still believe in the fairies. Yep. Now, I don't believe in fairies, obviously, but I'm still not going to fuck with them, you know? Like, like if you see a fairy ring, and Ireland has a lot of pasture, but if you see a pasture field with crops in it and there's this kind of ring of trees in the middle, the farmer did not want to knock them down to make pasture because it's a fairy ring, right? Now, I don't believe in fairies, but I would also not knock down that because... I heard they were boots, though, so... That's what Ozzy says. There's a lot of different oh, explanations for it. There, there, they could have been forts from years ago. They could be fungal infections on the ground, expanding funding infections, or they could be fairy rings and don't screw with them. Whatever, <laughs> right? I don't believe in them, but just leave it I, I believe I got you sidetracked on the uh, lick hole, but what, what exactly are the Aswangs accused of again? What are they? The Aswangs are vampire demons in Philippine okay. folklore. They uh, fly around in the nighttime, sucking people's insides out, drinking their blood, etc. Right, that's what they are. People's insides out. Yeah. Hmm. Damn. That's how spiders eat everything. I. Between this this photo and that description, I think most people will stick to Team Edward. But I could be wrong. That's 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 a genuine photo that someone took with a camera. That's not a drawing of an ass swing attack. Yeah. Ass swing. Huh. No. Ass swing. It is a funny word. 
The Philippines uh, was one of the first places where CIA PSYOPs, PSYOPs with a P, were deployed. Returning champion, Colonel Edward Lansdale. Speak of an asshole. Hey, you've seen him before in this podcast. Was apparently so proud of this that he included the entire thing in his 1972 memoir, In the Midst of Wars, an American's Mission to Southeast Asia. Imagine being proud of any of this. And now he says, uh, conventional military men think of combat psy war almost exclusively in terms of leaflets or broadcasts appealing to the enemy to surrender, he says in the book. Early on, I realized that psy war had a wider potential. So good for you, I guess. Congratulations. Uh, Mashallah. In 1950, the former advertising executive, and he was also in the Air Force, the former advertising executive who worked with Nestle, Levi Strauss, and Wells Fargo. Hey, there, there's, there's another Strauss. We just oh, talked yeah, about Levi Strauss him the last time, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was sent in anyway to help fight the hooks. He somehow wormed his way into the trust of at uh, the time Philippines Defense Minister Ramon Magsaysay. Ramon, of course, he looks Asian, yeah. has a Spanish name, he's Filipino, right? Ramon Magsaysay, to the point where he was writing his speeches. Lansdale was writing Magsaysay's speeches. My orders were plain, said Lansdale. The United States government wanted me to give all help feasible to the Philippine government in stopping the attempt by the communist-led hooks to overthrow that government by force. It was up to me to figure out how best to do this. Now, Lansdale sent $1 million of agency money. Jesus. Well, that's back when a million was a lot of money. I say that every time. That was back when uh, $1 million was a lot of money. I mean, nice so we, we, we got like a real group here, though, right? I mean, got the CIA, which yeah. I think we've already kind of established not so you know not, not as good as people say i mean yeah you know, some people say some negative things but you know anyway they're ethically compromised um, maybe right maybe uh nestle who basically wants to like take everybody's water and make mm. people pay for it now fucking mm. evil fuckers levi strauss who we've already talked about strauss mm. a little bit oh, these, are people that he worked, these are these are people who not they're not these are not particularly involved in the philippines experiment they're just people that um Lansdale worked with before he was sent to the Philippines. Okay. Okay. So but there are companies that don't worry, I will be naming companies who are involved. Okay. But I mean, a bit. you know, the CIA, these people with already resume. It's just, yeah, you're a mm. fucking shit bag. Oh, yeah. yeah some might, some might say you're an ass wag. You know, <laughs> I would, but you know. Lansdale sent $1 million of agency monies to Mike. Now, $1 million doesn't sound like a lot of money, right? Fair enough. Mm. But the thing about this, the CIA way of turning over countries, the reason they kept doing it over and over and over, they did it in Guatemala, they did it in lots of places. We spoke about the Guatemala one, we spoke about yep. the Cuba one, which was not successful, one of the very few operations that was not successful. Um, the reason they do it is because it's incredibly cheap and it works. It's incredibly cheap. In uh, 1953, I'm going to be talking about Operation Ajax in a different podcast, but they turned over the entire democratic government of Iran and put in a whole new regime for a total price of $1 million for the whole operation. Incredibly cheap given what they're getting from it. Right. So you can only imagine the kind of money people are making, the American companies are making if they keep giving them money to do this to suppress the communists, right? Lansdale sent $1 million of agency money to McSaisai along with additional funds from Coca-Cola. Um, and various other American companies and organizations. He ran regular ops, right? Regular ops for the CIA. According to William Bloom in his book on CIA interventions called Killing Hope, government soldiers were allowed to run amok in villages disguised as hooks, which is a standard false flag op. And there were films and radio broadcasts to explain and justify government actions, which is a standard propaganda, CIA propaganda. You would have um, heard us talk about much the same thing in the Guatemala yep. episode. So far, so normal. But then Lansdale put together a team of CIA PSYOPs guys and called it the Civil Affairs Office. 
long tradition of CIA calling things weird names. I hope you guys in the chat are putting down names. The CIA would call this whole vampire thing Operation What? Because if you're not, I will be in the chat doing my own names, and they will be bad. <laughs> so you have to put in some good ones. One psyop Lansdale came up with was to fly over suspected hook villages in an airplane, broadcasting curses in Tagalog. Tagalog is the language of the Philippines. These were not aimed at hooks in particular, but at those villagers who supported the hooks with food or shelter. And this apparently had some effect, and some hook agents surrendered after being effectively starved into submission. Another psyop was again aimed at hook supporters rather than the hooks. Uh, the team, uh, Lansdale's team, would identify hook sympathizers and paint weird eyes looking straight into the homes of identified villagers, like across the road, right? The idea was to inculcate the villagers with the idea that they were being watched at all times. The mysterious presence of these malevolent eyes the next morning had a sharply sobering effect, said Lansdale in his book, again with an inordinate amount of pride. Um, the most dramatic psyop was the vampire masquerade. Uh, we made it. We were actually going to talk about the vampire thing now. We made it, guys. I'm proud of us. Well done. <laughs> if you're still listening to the podcast, if you're still in the chat, congratulations. We're here now. Uh, vampire Masquerade team... is not a ball, right? It's not a No, it's a, a role-playing game. But it's a different thing. Okay. I just dropped in Masquerade there because it's a role-playing okay. game. Uh, made by White Wolf. Uh, the Lans this is a quote. Lansdale's team conducted a careful study of the superstitions of the Filipino peasants living in hook areas, says Bloom the, in the book called um, Killing Hope. Their lore, taboos, and myths were examined. Bloom's book, by the way, is available in its entirety on the CIA website. <laughs> All right? The CIA website hosts Shit, I, I, I bought it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. You can find it by typing Killing Hope and CIA plus CIA into Google, and it'll come up. It's a good book. Assuming yes. you don't mind ending up on a list somewhere in a dark basement in Langley, right? Now, the first part of this plan was to find a hook encampment and spread rumors locally about an asswang active in the area, right? So that's the first thing they do is to spread all these stories about an active, a local vampire. Yeah. Next, hide your kids, hide your wife, the asswang's out. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially it, yeah. Now, next, the CIA-trained combat Cywar squad, which is in quotes again because that's what he called it, ambushed a hook trail. These guys really do think they're in an episode of the A-Team. Ambushed a hook trail in the night, silently kidnapping the last man on the patrol. And when I read this, because this is something I took from Wikipedia, I think, um, all I could remember was the movie we watched. Do you remember the CIA training video? Yes. Where they took the last guy in the patrol. They just put this <laughs> like that, you know? So this is, this is something they did yeah. in real life. They ambushed a hook trail in the night, silently kidnapping the last man on the patrol. Now, okay. they drilled two holes in his neck, hung him upside down, bled him out, right? Which is the not, the not amusing part of this. And then yeah. they put the dead body back on the trail. And when the patrol came back looking for the guy and they found the drained body, they acted just as Lansdale hoped and immediately assumed an asswang was guilty. They were terrified. The next day, the entire local hook population moved out of the area. The CIA pulled this trick a number of times and it always worked. And it wasn't just hooks. People in towns and villages near the sites of the body drops were also terrified and moved out. According to Lansdale, to the superstitious, the hook battleground was a haunted place filled with ghosts and eerie creatures. Which, I mean, we're all superstitions in some ways, you know? That's, I, there's a hint of the racism about that I do not like. But anyway. Yeah. There are dissenting views. Are there Jordan not? Clark, who... Uh, runs the Aswang Project. He runs hey. a website called the Aswang Project. Okay, so he's the guy to talk to if you want to learn about this. He said, to me, this is a brutal and horrific scene with or without the Aswang. It's not even clear if the Hooks believed it was an Aswang, 
uh, or if they were horrified at the desecration of the deceased by the CIA troops. I am skeptical that this psy war tactic even worked other than terrifying uh, the terrifying visual of seeing your friend strung up like that. So that's Jordan Clark's opinion. And yeah. maybe, I don't know, uh, for well, whatever just, reason. Yeah, just what? the fact that they could pull that off is mm. enough to probably scare the shit out of you, right? Not I only think if I found my our... friend with his holes drilled in his neck and the blood drained out, yeah. if you told me it wasn't a vampire, that wouldn't really comfort me. Right. It still it wouldn't make me feel a whole lot better. I'm like, oh, thank right. God. Oh, it wasn't a vampire. <laughs> but this guy, uh, yeah, is uh, Lansdale, the guy we have on screen at the moment, oh, is yeah. is absolutely convinced that the vampire folklore is what did it and frightened them in a superstitious way. These well, simple have, mountain folk, right? It might have These scared guys some from the boondocks. The yeah, boondock I mean, it might have people. scared some of the the locals, right? Maybe, but real, like, well, I mean, the ones that really believe this shit, the one that was like, I think it probably you know did, I mean? yeah. For those people, I'm sure, yeah, you know, it probably did affect them, but yeah. Other people are probably just fucking scared to don't want to get shot by the guy named CIA to give these people mm. food or whatever, you know? Yeah, like normal fucking people. Yeah, the eyes, Jesus. the eyes on the on the across the road though, that's weird. That that oh, would that freak out. me out now. Right. If I woke it up just, and I saw two eyes looking at me. Yeah, it just lets you know that they could fuck you, fuck with you, however, yeah. want, whatever. They we want. are. That's enough you. to scare the shit out of you. We are so, the CIA. We are watching yeah. you. Yeah. Now they don't have to. They just tap all your phones. Exactly. Um, for whatever reason, by 1955, the Hooks were out of business and McSaisai was president. Almost mm -hmm. entirely due to the efforts of the CIA to put him there, which again, I'm cutting out a lot of stuff, but there was a bunch of stuff that the CIA did to make sure McSaisai got president. After the Philippines, CIA director Alan Dulles assigned Lansdale to Vietnam. And if you want to know what happened next, you can watch our yeah. podcast, Operation Passage to Freedom, which discusses what this man on screen at the moment did in Vietnam. So I'm not going to talk about it. Um, so find out what happened next, which leads me to the next part of our podcast. What happened next? Oh, what? What Who? happened next? Maybe what happened next? I thought that's the next part of our podcast, there, isn't it? There, there is. I think there's a, a bit where we talk about the CIA or something. That's oh, the new next. stuff. Got it. What's new? Not what happened next. That's on me. I'm sorry. Okay. Just before every podcast, I put CIA into Google and hit the news tab. And Seamus puts FBI into Google and hits the news tab. And we then pick two or three stories. We might one or two or three stories we think might be interesting or funny. We have not told each other what these stories are, so we're hearing them for the first time, just like you. Okay, who's going to go first? You want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first because there's only right. get two. Off you go. Uh, former senior FBI official pleads guilty to illegal assisting Putin ally. Uh, so this is one of the guys that helped some spy shit go down here in the U.S. Uh, helping the Putin Russians. ally. Yep. Uh, he helped uh, the involvement of Russian billionaire Oleg oh, Oleg De Derapaska. So yeah, an FBI guy did this. Yep. Okay, so he's a double agent. Uh, yep. So okay. well, we'll be doing an episode on something like that soon. Um, <laughs> then uh, this one, uh, I'll explain why we're, I brought this up. Uh, man accused of threatening Biden, shot and killed in FBI raid in Utah. So the other reason I brought this in, up. In Utah, did you say? Yep, in Utah. Okay. Uh, this guy went on Twitter, or not Twitter, either Twitter or Facebook. It was talking about uh, if 
if they're going to come at me for threatening Biden, you know, basically be ready and he's got guns. And I mean, it's clear the guy was ready for a shootout. Um, okay. A lot of people were, you know, accusing the FBI of, you know, straight up murdering this guy. Wonder why people would think that about the FBI. <laughs> uh, but did the uh, FBI go to his house then and try to arrest him or something? They tried to arrest him. There was there was or a raid the president, and it shooting okay. because. And their their words was that he was armed and attempted to shoot at them. So I mean, he might have been. It's I mean, based on how the guy was acting and stuff, uh, it sounds like possible. I don't know. I hate to oh, defend okay. the FBI at all, but especially mm. on this show. Uh, well, but, uh, I'm all for trusting the gonna... FBI. But if somebody's yeah. pointing a gun at an FBI agent <laughs> and it looks like yeah. he might shoot, I'm not going to hold that FBI agent responsible yeah. for doing something about that. Fair is fair. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going around saying you're going to kill the president. You know that shit's gonna fucking yeah. happen. Like in our shows where we trash the FBI, we talk about what they've done that is not defensible. Yeah. Yeah. But that's defensible if he was coming at them with a gun. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Be interesting. We're not monsters here at the jib. We're not monsters. Yeah. We're nuanced. Okay. Yeah. We try to be. So that's all that's all I got this week. Yep. Okay. I have uh three for CIA. My first one is no legal basis. The headline is no legal basis for CIA to withhold documents according to John Ratcliffe. Ooh. Former National Intelligence Director John Ratcliffe reacts to the lawsuit over the CIA's role in the letter calling the Hunter Biden laptop a misinformation campaign. Okay. And all those words are so incredibly boring, I'm not going to waste any more time on it. Uh -huh. Next. The next headline is, unless you're interested, then you should look it up. It's been 70 years since the CIA assisted coup in Iran. And the, this is something I will talk about in a future podcast. But the sub thing is, the history of U.S.-Iran relations dates to the time when the once mighty Persian Empire, thanks to the great game played by Russia and Great Britain, was anything but mighty. And it goes into a fairly good uh, talk about what happened, right? But I'll be talking about that myself in a future podcast. The Iranian, the CIA operation to turn over the Iranian government was called Operation Ajax. And that is what that podcast will be called sometime in the future. Um, awesome. The next headline, the last headline I have is Revealed! The terror, I don't know why I did that. I'm trying to inject a little drama, right? <laughs> Revealed. The terrorist hired by the CIA to catch Carlos the Jackal. And the sub thing ah. says, it is the stuff of an airport thriller. What well, is the way you write it, mate? A story of a man radicalized in his teens who goes on to spend two decades as a bomb maker, arms dealer, prisoner. Fair enough, it is interesting. Clandestine organizer and terrorist facilitator before disappearing on a dark night from a ship in the middle of the Mediterranean in one final unresolved mystery. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Now the story of Bruno Abregue. Yeah, just Google Bruno Abregue. B-R-E-Fada. E tick, what do you call that? Uh, uh, Grav. Bruno and um, B R E Grav G U E T, right? Bruno Bregway. Google it. Is, is it just very interesting, fascinating stuff. About the jackal? Yeah, he was friends with the jackal. So, also shopped him to the fence. Oh, the, the guy that is. Okay. Mm, uh, interesting so story. If you want to learn uh, about the jackal, I recommend uh, probably one of my favorite podcasts, Behind the Bastards. They do a two parter on. Behind the Bastards, oh, he, he did a two-parter yeah. on Carlos the Jackal. Yep. Okay, cool. It's really good. You yep. recommended Behind the Bastards to me before. Yep. We are friends yep. of the dollop and Behind the Bastards, so... Yep. Yeah, they're not paying us. We just like the podcast. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's our show. Okay. Awesome. And at this time, I will be judging. I'll be in the chat. <laughs> this is recorded in advance. Sorry to break your bubble. But I'll be in the chat, and I will be judging your attempts to name this operation, this CIA operation, the Aswang operation. And if any of you are smart asses and say, Operation Aswang, no. Right? Zero points. Okay? Zero point. All right? I'll be judging. 
And uh, I guess, do you know what's coming next in the rota of episodes? Do you know what's next? Uh, it'll be one of the FBI ones. Uh, well, it, okay. It could, be, it could be. It could be. Because if we're able to record it in time, it'll be the Daniel Hale. Uh, Daniel Hale might be next, failing that Hanson, yep. I guess, isn't it? Which is, uh, Daniel Hale is the whistleblower on the drones. Okay. Uh, so. Okay. But it'll definitely be an FBI one, one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you had fun. And I hope you learned See something all. about Filipino vampires. Good See luck. you all in two weeks. Hi, everybody.